The Rural Health Voice, Episode 33, Mask Maker, Mask Maker, Make Me a Mask. Welcome to The Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. With everyone concerned about spreading COVID, when should you wear a mask? Wendy Welch, Executive Director of the Southwest Virginia Graduate Medical Education Consortium, joined me to discuss PPE, Personal Protective Equipment. Welcome, Wendy. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. So basic things, we see the term PPE running around, personal protective equipment. What all does that include? It's the things that people wear to protect themselves from the body fluids of others in short, is the shortest way of saying it. PPE is most often uh, these days uh, linked to healthcare workers, but construction workers used to wear it. Um, nail salons and tattoo parlors. Construction workers wore uh, PPE sufficient to protect them from things like concrete chunks as well. But mostly these days, people think about it as protecting you from body fluid. Right. So masks, gloves, surgical gowns, things like that. Things that can protect shoe covers, all sorts of things can be PPE. Mm-hmm. But most commonly, those of us walking around that aren't healthcare providers don't wear PPE. What can we do to protect ourselves if we're running errands, go to the grocery store, pick up fuel for the car, which of course, we're trying to limit all that right now anyway. But what can we do to protect ourselves if we don't have anything? Well, you've already named the number one way. Stay home when you can. And when you have to go out, get orders from your neighbors. Um, Get letters from your neighbors so that the one person, one bottle of whatever is on limit can be stretched across the four orders, the four people that you're looking after. Take turns going to the grocery store. You can only go once a month if you work with three other people in your town. Um, That's the first thing. Stay home when you can. Limit your trips out. When you go out, practice good hygiene. There's a lot of stuff going around about wearing gloves just spreads everything. So does touching it with your hands. Treat gloves like you would treat your hands and wash them between stores if you're going to more than one place. And the the gas pumps are the number one offender. Be very careful with gas pumps. Make sure that whether it's your hand or your glove that's touching it, you sanitize that surface afterward, whichever thing touched it before you touch your steering wheel treat your car as non-sterile when you get home and try to limit your trips particularly so that at least three days elapse because this doesn't live on most surfaces as long as three days but the longest it's been under perfect laboratory conditions is three days so wait four days before you have to do anything again sure so when i've been out i've been taking gloves with me but I'm very careful about what I touch with the gloves. So if I touch, say, for example, the grocery cart, I don't use those gloved hands to also pick up my oranges because then whatever was on the grocery cart handle is now also on my oranges. Yes. Basically, you're aware of any time. My husband and I have now have a, a simple uh, plan in our house. There's clean, suspect, and dirty some things are less risk than others. Uh, a, a grocery cart handle is not one of them. That's that's hot. That's definitely dirty. But if you can 
put your oranges in a bag and then get home without touching the bag and you haven't touched the handle with your oranges. It's it's basically a game of who touched what last and being very aware of it. You can keep yourself very, very safe that way. It's It's not so much about the gloves as it is about being aware of what you touched. Yeah, I think anybody who's ever had a toddler can relate. Once <laughs> there's sticky stuff on the hands, anything those hands touch, whether those hands have gloves or not, mm-hmm. anything those those hands touch is now contaminated and needs to be cleaned. Absolutely. And we all know that the phrase, don't touch your face, prolongs instant sustained itching. <laughs> You my just, nose has never itched so much. So much in my entire life. Right, exactly. And that's another thing about PPEs, moving on to masks from gloves. Those hand-sewn masks that so many people are, are so generously making and donating and making for themselves, they are not the most effective thing against the virus, but they do two things. One, they tell you not to touch your face. They, they make you hyper aware of what your face and your hands are doing, and that is a good thing. Two, and this is a little bit of a, of a silly analogy, but the virus is very, very small. It can go between the fibers of a mask. But if you think of a fish swimming around a fish net, it could go between the holes if it's too small, or it could bounce off one of the fibers because it just happens to hit that point. See, it's a little better than nothing. It's not good enough for a person on the front lines in healthcare, but it's good enough to go to the store. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, you know, any barrier is going to be better than nothing. It um, is. And, and I definitely like the, the concept of it makes you more aware of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's so easy if I'm in the grocery store to get into my regular routine and totally space out about the fact that I'm not supposed to be doing everything that I normally do in the grocery store. Uh, but if I'm wearing something that, that makes me remember you know, what it reminds me of is, is there a, a concept in sports psychology where if you do something that you wouldn't normally do the day of the game, it helps you keep the game in your mind all day long. Mm-hmm. And so what, what many sports teams do, for example, if you're watching an NCAA football game and you see the athletes before the game get off their charter butts they're all wearing suits and ties. Now, we don't, we don't normally think of jocks as, as being the type that dress up very nicely, but they're all wearing suits and ties. And the reason why they're doing that is to keep that in mind, keep that big, important thing in mind the entire day. And I think wearing a mask can have the same effect. It forces you to remember and not space out because we're all so distracted right now. It's easy to forget that we're not supposed to be, you know, shoulder to shoulder with other people. We're not supposed to be touching five different oranges to see which one we like the best. Do as little contact as possible as much as you can. Absolutely. And there's actually an academic corollary to that. People who are taking the MCAT, the entrance to medical school, or their lawyer exam or their GRE will do the same thing. They'll uh, dye their hair a funny color or they'll have something weird for breakfast or they'll what you you know, they'll do exactly what you were just describing. So yes. Also there's a third thing I said too, but there's actually three benefits to those masks. And the third one should not be overlooked just because it's so abstract. It's a mental health thing. 
if you have a mask, someone cared about you, someone made you something, someone wants you to be safe. And whether you know the name of the mask maker or not, you're remembering that we're all in this together and that somebody needs you. And that's important right now for mental health. Because the less that we spread, we're not just protecting ourselves. we're protecting our friends, we're protecting our neighbors, we're protecting our community. Yes, exactly. So other things that we can do when we're out in public, I know some businesses have put up essentially uh, sneeze guards over the checkout counters. I would encourage everybody, if you know a business in your community that has done that and you have choice between business A and business B, Support the business that is doing everything they can to put in protective measures. And I'm going to say point blank that the smaller the store, the faster they've worked to do that. Little stores like Food Country, they've got those things up. And you would traditionally think of Food Country as a smaller, more rural, um, even some people might have said down market. But they have awesome things. They're not as... um, (laughs) they're not as overrun (laughs) as other stores and they have protected their employees. And I am sending a lot of business that way because good for them for taking care of their employees like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we've been kind of throwing the term mask around. So there's masks and then there's respirators and they're like what the things we put over our face, what's the difference between all of those? Okay. So a face shield is the plastic thing you see in apocalypse movies and Ah. that uh, construction workers wear. Construction workers wear really, really good ones because they're worried about flying concrete. We're worried about flying viruses. None of us need face shields. If you are not a healthcare provider, you don't need a face shield. I don't advise you to wear one. They, They don't work unless you wear other gear under them. Okay. Face shields right now, there are millions of face shields being produced by those lovable geeks that we all made fun of in college and we'll never laugh at them again because the 3D printers are churning out face shields for the healthcare community and God love them for doing it. So that's your first one. Then there's masks. There's your hand-sewn mask. There are other kinds of masks, but but for purposes of our lives now, there are three big categories. There's your hand-sewn mask. There's your surgical mask. And then there's your N95 and above. There's actually an N100. Nobody ever talks about it. This, the hands-on masks we've already covered. Surgical masks, there's very low quality ones that are just light paper like you might have had um, for outside in the garage if you were dusting and you just didn't want to have your allergies activated. You might have had a little paper mask. And we'll, we'll come to that in a minute because we want you to look in your garage and your barn and everywhere, your she sheds and your man caves, because if you've got any of these things, we can tell you what to do with them. So paper masks are the lowest form of protection right now that is actually medical quality. And those are essentially disposable, right? You use them once you toss them out. Uh, used to be, um, <laughs> right, right now, some surgical masks can be sprayed. Uh, there, there are different ways of preserving the lives of masks. Um, let's go on to the N95s and talk about how you can preserve those because, uh, the healthcare community is having a lot of trouble right now with the lack of centralized assistance. Each organization is having to do as they think best. The CDC, the NIH, uh, 
FEMA even and the Food and Drug Administration have all in the past conducted tests on masks and how to preserve them in an emergency. In 2009, there was a test on the N95, which is the gold standard mask, the respirator mask that you mentioned earlier, the one that we are trying so hard to get for everyone in our healthcare system right now. And those, those are the masks that they need. Typically, they were meant to be used once. Right now, some hospitals are saying use it in three patient encounters and then it has to go. And some hospitals are saying put it in a paper bag and take it home and bring it back the next day because you're only going to get one. Now, the, the more the more centralized you are to a COVID response center, the more you are going to be given protection. But if you are working in a clinic or a hospital where respiratory patients are coming through but deemed not to have COVID, you you still want an N95, but you may not be issued one by your system. That's, you know, that the systems are doing the best they can. So what a lot of us are trying to do is literally search our barns and our attics for masks that we can give to providers in our area. And they're only going to get one. So there are two approved ways of prolonging the life of that mask. One is to put it in an oven at 70 degrees Celsius, which is about 158 Fahrenheit, for 30 minutes. The other is to hold it over steam for about 10 minutes. And the steam has to be uh, boiling temperature water. Both of those will sanitize the mask for further use. A lot of people don't know that, and a lot of hospitals are afraid to issue that directive to their people because it's not the gold standard of care. But when you're in a crisis and you're only going to get one mask, that's how you can prolong its use. And that's what people can do at home as well. Do not put them in the microwave. Do not put them under ultraviolet light. Do not spray them with bleach or Lysol. You will asphyxiate yourself. So N95s, you know, again, for healthcare providers, and those are the type of masks specifically designed for healthcare providers. You mentioned checking your barns. Now, I know at, at my house, my husband uses N95s when he's doing woodworking, because if you're a uh, power standing walnut, the particles are very fine. They can get into your lungs and cause a lot of damage. So he buys N95s at, say, Home Depot or, or similar stores. Are, are those the same N95s? Yeah. Yeah, they are. There are N95, there's... There's the lowest in and the highest in N95s and in 100s. A lot of people, because in N95 is, is the, the bottom of what we need, we don't talk about the others, but they're out there. Um, some have, for lack of a better term, a tiny little valve in the middle, and some don't. A KN95 is one that's made overseas, usually in Asia, China, Korea. Um, those, those are absolutely fine. N95s that are less flexible, a KN95 will fold. Uh, an N95 with a with a respiratory valve in the middle of it is like a cup, and it, it they they literally store up like a set of cups. Whereas the other N95s will be folded. 
you can uh, search your barn, search your she shed, search anywhere that you think they might have some. We have actually outfitted one entire residency program of 24 people with donations from barns and people who were renovating houses and one very nice tattoo parlor. Um, we would also like to mention to people that if you know of businesses in your area that might have used protective gear, like kitchens, nail salons, uh, tattoo parlors, construction people, the smaller the business is, the less likely it has already been asked by a large corporation to donate and the more likely that somebody just hasn't thought of it yet or doesn't know what to do with it. You can contact GMEC, you can contact the Virginia Rural Health Association, or if you're somewhere else and you want it to stay in your community, contact one of the clinics in your community. Somebody has been assigned to find stuff for that clinic. And they will they will use those donations. Yes, people have been more than eager to to take even, you know, it doesn't have to be a full, never open box. You know, the, the ones that I donated that I swiped out of our basement, there was one in the box. And I can guarantee you the person that I gave that to was thrilled to have that one in 95. Oh, yeah. And I actually had to convince my mother, who has been a nurse for 50 years and understands that I run a nonprofit dedicated to keeping residents safe in these troubled times because we're all about workforce. And when this is over, we want those, those kids, those 25-year-old newly qualified doctors to feel like we loved them and kept them safe during this time. I had to convince my mother that a box with three N95s that was dusty on top was not to be thrown away. She needed to mail it to me immediately. She was literally going to throw that sucker away. Oh, mercy. Yeah. Well, and with something like that, you know, is it going to be sterile to the point where you could use it in a surgical theater? No, no, that's not what we're going to be using this for. But there's no reason why people in clinics people working in emergency rooms, things like that can't be using those N95s. And they are, once again, way better than nothing. I cannot tell you the number of happy dance gifs I have received from residents when they got their N95. They just flicked the dust off the edges, put those puppies on, and went to work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And something that's interesting about the N95s, when you look at those compared to surgical masks, thinking about how they protect people, the surgical mask is basically a, a, a floppy piece of fabric that, that goes from ear to ear. But the N95s have a little metal strip across the nose so that you can create a seal. And it's just that creating that seal makes it so much better for protecting people. And that's why we're encouraging folks to save those N95s for healthcare providers and not just use them to run to the grocery store. You go into the grocery store, the other masks will do fine. Please save those N95s for our healthcare providers. Yes. And uh, speaking of the, the seal and the, the metal clip over the nose, any mask you wear should go over your nose and your mouth and leave as little space as possible around your face and your chin. Anything you're wearing, I, I, I saw some people um no, I did not see. I have not been out, but my friends told me about some people who were in the grocery store who just had the hand-sewn masks across their mouth. They have to go over your nose, too, to be the most effective. And if you 
if you are in a position where you need a surgical mask or an N95, well, you're already going to know that it's supposed to be up against your face. But if you're protecting someone at home, I, we, we are saving those N95s for the healthcare providers. If you are running essential errands and you have to use one, make sure it's up against your face. Shave your beard off. Get the seal tight against your skin. Yep. Do everything you can to keep the outside out <laughs> and protect yourself from everything. So check everybody. Check, check your barn. Check your workshop. Check your local nail salon that's temporarily closed. Check the tattoo parlor. Ask caterers in your area. Check with your local museum. Some museums have masks and gloves that they use for restoration work. Ask anybody that you can think of if they've got masks and gloves and any other protective equipment, and we will be happy to reshuffle those out to our healthcare providers. We certainly will. There is one more kind of mask we should talk about. It's just come up recently. Well, um, there are actually two, but one is, is pretty hard to do. There is a design out there now that's been shared widely by the people who have created it in their various locations um, for a 3D N95. The problem is it takes 10 hours to make and a whole lot of the fiber that the 3D printer uses to create. So they're not effective uh, making face shields on a 3D printer is, is much better and providing those directly to healthcare workers. If someone in healthcare, just one person, knows someone with a 3D printer, those designs are easy to get, but it does take 10 hours to make and it's going to be a personal connection to get you that single mask. But there's another design going around for the hand sewing brigade. And this mask is actually probably medical quality. All I'm going to say, um, we can't talk about the CDC or the NIH. What I'm going to say is that I sent it to some of my doctors and they sent back and said, yes, this would work. Get us some. And it uses the surgical fabric from the bottom of a tray. If you were at a dentist or a doctor's office and you had that little blue liner that's on the bottom of the, to protect the medical instruments from the tray itself, those can be sewn into effective masks. We've actually turned one doctor who is on out rotation right now. She's a resident and she's an excellent tailor. And she and one of the directors of her residency program have teamed up to start making those for her team. Fabulous. What a great resource. Yeah, you can find it online pretty easily, or you can email director at swvagmec.com. I'm sure you can put that in the notes. Um, it, it is a good mask. It, it has been approved by individual doctors who are saying, yep, we would use that. Great, great. And we, of course, we will have information on making masks and how to donate resources in our show notes and other places on the VRHA website. But let's talk more about those hand-sewn masks. I know mm -hmm. there are entire teams of people sewing masks. I know that over a thousand masks have been made for VRHA member Harrison Rockingham Free Clinic. I know that there's a, a team called NRV Mask Makers that are making masks. I think there's also an Appalachian group. Let's go for those people making masks. What a, what a great community effort. Absolutely. Um, we've been encouraging people to get online every day at 5 p.m., uh, mirroring the European uh, 8 p.m. shout out to doctors every day at 8 p.m. in Spain and a couple of other countries. People go out on their balconies and, and patios and they clap for the healthcare providers. 
Now, how we live in the states, particularly in rural areas, doesn't really allow us to do that to any effect. The sound of one one hand clapping, you know. <laughs> but if you can get online at 5 p.m. every day or just, any, you know, it doesn't matter what time. Just get on there and say, my shout out today is to. Um, a lot of people have been uh, recognizing mask makers in their daily shout out. And it it really makes a difference, again, in the mental health of everyone to be appreciated. I had one nurse um, email me after she saw my shout out. She said, I cried when I saw it because I knew you guys knew that we were risking our lives for you. And we said, yeah, we know. We know. And we thank you. Yep. And and the handmade masks, you know, there's so many uses for those. They can be used by individuals. Again, when you're running errands to the grocery store or whatever else, they can be used by hospitals and clinics for their staff that are, are lower level risk and don't need the N95s. But they're also great for, for clinics to be able to hand out to patients that are high risk. You know, the, the patients that are elderly or maybe the patients that have some sort of compromised immune system. Those are great ways to, to share with your community and, and be able to do everything that you can to protect your little corner of the world. Um, you know, I had somebody say, well, you know, I'm not going to go through all the work to, to make a mask, to, to give it away for somebody else. My family's more important. Great. Make it for your family. That's absolutely something that you can do to help your entire community. Yeah, absolutely. And also, if you are sick, if you get sick and you, you can't get a COVID test and you're not sure, or if you do know that it is COVID, wear one of those hand-sewn masks rather than one of the other masks, especially if you're a healthcare provider and you have to go home. You you might think that you should wear your uh, stronger mask. Once you're sick, wear a cloth mask because you're protecting yourself, you're protecting other people from you because you're also going to be social distancing. A cloth mask, once you're sick, is the best thing you can wear. Absolutely. Yeah. But at that point, N95 isn't going to do you that much good anyway. And you're, you're not going to be able to use it when you go back to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Wendy, I appreciate you joining me today. Let's make sure we get every N95 out there out to our rural health care providers. Absolutely. If you guys need a place to send them, I can send you to several. We, we will sort it out and get them out there. Take care. That's Wendy Welch on the importance of protecting yourself and others. You can find more resources related to COVID, including instructions on how to clean an N95 and how to make a mask on our website at vrha.org. Now stay tuned for a message from our trusted friends at the CDC. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you.